This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of The Podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by Black Belt CBD. If you're into CBD products or you want to try CBD products, go to blackbeltcbdproducts.com. Use promo code THEPODCAST25. You'll get 25% off. They ship within North America. This is more geared towards your athlete, but if you have aches and pains like most people do nowadays, and especially if you're over the age of 40, everybody pretty much has aches and pains. Go to blackbeltcbdproducts.com. They have everything from roll-ons to lotions to ointments. Anything you need that you apply on top of your muscle, you don't smoke it, you don't ingest it. It's none of that type of stuff. It's more... Like, I guess your A535 type shit, like back in the day that you used to put on your muscles, right? But this is even better and less than 1% THC, so you won't get high. So go visit blackbeltcbdproducts.com. And if you're into nerd culture or you like collectibles, go visit firstrow.ca. This is a Canadian company based out of Winnipeg, Manitoba. Everything you see there is in Canadian funds. So to all you American listeners, it's a little bit cheaper rate because they ship within North America. And if you use promo code THEPODCAST20, you'll get 20% off. They update daily. So if you go there every day, you'll see something new. They got everything from comic books to signed memorabilia to wrestling figures. Anything you literally need or want that's a part of nerd culture and you like to collect. So go visit firstroll.ca. And if you want to support me directly, you can visit my TeePublic store at TeePublic.com. Or if you scroll down on your device, it's embedded right there in today's description. Click on the link. takes you right to my merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to t-shirts to pillows to COVID masks now available. Protect yourself and protect others. Get yourself with the podcast COVID mask today. But if you don't want to support me monetarily, I totally understand during these tough times. The easiest thing you could do that would support me the most out of everything I just mentioned is to go rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms, especially Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So, if you follow Canadian Independent Wrestling, you must have heard of this week's guest for sure, or you've might even seen him recently featured on Gut Check for Impact. Hailing from your girlfriend's dreams, the Saturday Night Delight, Tyler Turva. What's going on, my friend? man that's a great introduction you hit it right spot on (laughs) (laughs) i try i try well like we were saying before i've been doing this a little bit now so uh hopefully i could get at least the intros right we'll see how the rest of the podcast goes but at least if it starts off with a bang it's a good start for me 
you got it. You got to come in hot. That way we get get rocking and rolling. We get right into it. So yeah, from your girlfriend's dreams, the dapper, dimple, dangerously delicious, Mister Young, fit and stupid, pretty, the Sunday morning hangover cure, the Saturday night delight, Tyler Turva. And by the sounds of it, it seems like you've been doing this wrestling thing for quite a while now, too, my friend. Yeah, it's been just over twelve. I think yeah, twelve-ish years. Oh shit! Um, yeah, it was like March two thousand eight was my first match. So okay, that's pretty cool. So what got not what got you into the business, but what got you to liking wrestling as a kid? Were you always a, a lifelong uh, wrestling fan, or did you get into it late in your life? Oh no, I've been a lifelong wrestling fan. My I started watching when I was like three. Okay. Um, my family, like, so I'm the youngest. I got two older sisters, and my my dad used to put me down for a nap, and then he'd wake up me and my sisters, and then and my and like he and my mom and we'd all watch Saturday Night's Main Event together. So oh, okay. I remember like everything from way back. So like, and I had tons of VHS tapes of Saturday Night or sorry Saturday Night's Main Event, not Saturday <laughs> Night Delight, but yeah. So, okay, I got to ask you then, what is, I, I'm not going to say which is your favorite Saturday Night Main Event, what is your favorite match from Saturday Night's Main Event that you could just watch all the time that you just adore? Ooh, um, damn, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I have a, I always think of, is it Mr. Perfect and Hogan? Okay, or what, what did they, I remember it was Genius and Hogan at oh, Saturday Night's, Genius Hogan. right, yeah, wasn't no, it? I, I'm trying to, sorry, I'm, I'm trying to think, because I haven't been, like, I went through, I watched every Saturday Night's Main event again, like, two years ago, okay. so I'm trying to, trying to deep dive again. Oh, I remember the, um, there's a British, I like the British Bulldogs and the Heart Foundation, I think it's okay. a two out of three falls. Sure. This one I don't remember at all. Was Matilda involved? Was that the storyline at the time? Yeah, there's okay. Matilda involved, and she bites Jimmy Hart's pants. It That's might it. even okay. six-man tag. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. So is that where you got the nickname, Saturday Night Delight, I assume? I do, honestly, like, Saturday Night Delight just came from, like, I was just sitting down thinking one day, because I used mm. to be, I used to go by Tricked Out Tyler Turva, okay. and I just wanted to change it because I was like, this is like, just didn't feel like me. So I was like, what's something that like everyone loves. And I was like, everyone loves Saturday night. And okay, I was like, yeah. that's like the night everyone looks forward to. So no, that's when I was like, boom, no, Saturday that night. Totally makes sense. Wow. So, okay. Well, other than Saturday night's main event, what else were you into back in the day? Were you a WCW guy as well? Or any of the other stuff like the territorial shit or no? No, I'm a WWF guy through and through. Even like my toys as a kid, I had LJNs and Hasbro's. Like okay. I re- in then dinky cars. That was about it. So I didn't even like GI Joes or anything. Okay, so okay. Speaking of WWE, you started in 2008, and like two, literally two years into the business in 2010, you were walking down the aisle on SmackDown one night. How? What was that feeling? Did you think that's it? I'm a superstar now. Did you get to your head? Because you know, when you're younger, you think these things, and when you obviously when you're that new in the business, were you just on top of the world back then? Man, I remember like so just before stepping through the curtain, I remember looking to my left and like Vince McMahon sitting. Oh shit! It was like he's like three rows deep because okay. it was a SmackDown taping on the headset, mm. and, and so like me and my partner, we walked through the curtain, and I remember mm. looking up, and I was like holy shit like i've made it like this is sweet and i had like every feeling i've ever imagined Mm -hmm. and then 
literally like less than five seconds later, a fan goes, huh, look at these two jobbers. Shut up. (laughs) Right then, like that dude just like popped my dream bubble. And then it was like, hey, now we're going to work. Yeah, but you know what? How many people get to do that walk, even if it's just once? You know what I mean? Absolutely. And like, yeah, like I'll never forget it. Cause I remember like, I, I know like in real time it was maybe like three, four seconds, but right. it, it felt like, like 10, 15 seconds, but he just ruined everything. Oh my God. That, that's so messed up, man. But again, I could see someone doing so. Cause I, I've probably done something like that too. As a kid, like you see someone, oh, you job or oh, this guy's going to lose. Like, you know what I mean? You just, as a kid or it was a kid, I assume, right. Or was it an adult? I don't. I, I think it was like more of an adult, but oh, it was. Shit. We came worse. out during like uh, there was a video on the Titantron, so it was okay. a promo of Christian and Vicky Guerrero, and I think maybe someone else, and then yeah. that. So like we came out during that segment being played on, so like you can hear everything anyone's saying. Oh my god, that's hilarious! So now I got a lot of tons of questions about this. First off, okay. how did you or? Who bestowed the name Brent Roberts upon you during this time on SmackDown? Uh, Jamie Noble. And at the time, Jake Roberts was uh, like super deep into like his addictions and stuff like that. So okay. he wasn't in a good state. So it was more like a rib. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he just walked up to me. He looked me in the eye and he goes, Brent Roberts. And then laughed and walked away. <laughs> oh, my God. So, now, how did you get there in the first place? Like, how, how did you get the call to be on SmackDown? Was it just a fluke, or did they actually find you somewhere? Yeah, so I did a... Um, I went to the to an OVW camp in February, okay. I believe, of 2009. Mm-hmm. And so, at that camp, they had... Um, it was like... It was a two-day camp at OVW where they're just Rip Rogers and... Um, a few other people were running a seminar. So it was like Danny Davis. Um, I'm trying to think of the other ones. And then, so there was two WWE guest speakers. So they had, I believe it was originally like The Miz and Gail Kim, but it ended up that The Miz couldn't go. So it ended up being Mark Henry and Gail Kim. Okay, gotcha. And, and so like, yeah, so they were the guest speakers for the day, or one each of the days. And then they had uh, John Laurinaitis, was head of talent relations, I believe, at the time. And so he actually ended up, like, taking all of our... um, Back then, you'd actually have, like, an 8x10 and a resume printed off, and you might have, like, a DVD of your matches. (laughs) So I got to ask, too, now, on your DVD match, did you have that pure rocker music with all your highlights, as typical as it was back then? (laughs) Yeah, and it's just all arm drags and drop kicks. Right? Maybe a couple of hip tosses. I step through the curtain, look left and right, and I go, come on, baby. <laughs> and now, after your match, you walk through the curtain. What do you think is going to happen next in your career? Or did you know that it was just a, a one-time deal at that time? I knew it was a one-time deal just because of what it was. But okay. um, I was only 24 at the time, so sure. I knew... Like, even if nothing came out of it that exact time, like, I knew that I'd potentially be able to get, like, other chances because mm-hmm. we didn't get any tryout matches or oh, or anything. Okay. Like, I, I just stood in a line and was picked from standing in a line in order to have this match on SmackDown. Oh, shit. And there, and was what, like, there was, like, 16 guys that oh, were wow. there. And what, what city was it in? 
it was in Canada, so like just outside of Ottawa. Oh, okay. So it was in a Canadian city. Okay, there you go. Yeah, and that's the only Canadian one I've done. I've uh, all the other WWE stuff that I've done. So I've always done it in the states. Oh, so what other WWE stuff have you done then? Because I I thought this was the only stint you had with them. Oh no, I've I've been in the um, what you call it. I was in Adam Rose's party oh, train like right. four or five times. Nice. Um, I was uh, one Kevin. Owens got when he powerbombed MGK off the stage. I was a WWE medical doctor. Okay. I was Sting in the rafters leading up to Sting versus Triple H. Oh wow! Going into Mania. That's actually pretty cool. How was that feeling portraying one of the legends? Bro, I've never told this story on a podcast, okay. and like, perfect. I I officially know what a Sting pop feels like. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> It's true though, because you're there, you're the silhouette, and then it's like you're feeling it. So of course, it, you could take credit, take it. <laughs> yeah. So like legit, there was so the yeah. the, the, the I'll lay out the segment. So okay. essentially, like Triple H is in the middle of the ring, he's cutting his promo towards Sting, and then the lights go out. Right. Lights flash on. I'm the first Sting that appears up in the 200 level. Okay. And. And there's like, and there's a spotlight right on me, and the crowd just starts going ape shit because like I'm in sting paint, right. like cl- like trench coat or That's sorry, right. yeah, trench coat, like sting sting t-shirt, like everything. Mm-hmm. And then lights go out again, and there was another one across the arena. Right, lights go out again, and then uh, sting appears in the middle of the ring behind Triple H, and he drops to his ass. Wow, wow, that that, so, like, that must have been so cool. Yeah, so like, I'm. I had to waste time, so I'm in sting pants right. or like sting paint and gear and everything. <laughs> go to the bathroom and then eventually like walk like walk right in the middle like around all the fans and there, then there's a spotlight on me right. and like you're just sweating because you're like oh my god like <laughs> this is what it sounds like to be sting because the, right? the entire crowd's just going ape shit thinking I'm sting. So now the crowd members beside you, when they looked at you, did they recognize you weren't a real Sting? Did they say anything? No, because they all thought, like, there was, like, I heard, like, four or five, like, holy, like, they're like, holy shit, like, that's fucking Sting. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so cool, because, like, the, like, like, 20-year-old me would have been doing the same thing, like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe he's right there, like, and then you go to touch him, but then I'm gone. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome, man! Yeah, what a unique story. Fuck, <laughs> it was so sweet because even when I went into the bathroom, because because I had to waste time, so I just pretended right. to pee. And right. all these, I came out of the bathroom and I go to like wash my hands, even right. though I have the sting gloves on. They're like like three dudes were like, "Bro, like you fucking look like Sting." <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's awesome! And how how has it helped you having WWE on your resume? I'm assuming it's helped you a whole shitload, no? Yeah, it helped me a bit, but like, and I also did like I've done tryouts and stuff like that uh, with them. But okay. it like it helps you with some stuff, and then a lot of t- like to be honest, like a lot of times because you ne- like I've never been under a major contract with them or oh. with them for a period of time, so it doesn't really like add extra weight, but it's. Like, it's definitely, like, tons of awesome memories, and, like, 
it's really cool to at least have like that, like to be able to talk about like that segment of like my life and to know that I at least had, have had like multiple opportunities with it. Of like course. that's uh, yeah. yeah, of course. No, that's, but, that's awesome. Yeah. So, and you also worked a bit with, uh, impact this year too, or last year, whenever you guys recorded it with, with gut check, right? Yes. So how was that experience? Because I, I've, I have, I'm sorry to say, because I've had a ton of Impact wrestlers on, but I tune in and out. I tend to watch, again, I'm one of those guys, if, if I see it on Twitter and someone says it's a good match, I'll go and watch it, right? But I haven't been keeping up really uh, episodically with Impact. So I had no idea that even Gut Check came back. I didn't, I didn't even know there was a different process because I saw the original one when it was back in the day. So talk me through this. What's the premise of this new incarnation of Gut Check, I guess? Yeah, so in this one, uh, the way it was broken down was we tra- like we were training multiple days um, in the Can-Am Dojo, which would be out of like Windsor. Okay, yeah. and then from and then from there we did a couple of a couple of six man tags at a, a few live show, like two live shows in the states, mm. and then out of that there was a final in March at the Atlanta tapings, and then the the winner. Like it came down to me and uh, Shogun, um, Shogun Jackson Stone, and then he was awarded the the winner out of uh, the gut check in the Atlanta tapings. Now everyone knows not only the winner always makes it in this business, right? So have does there been any rumblings from Impact? Are you allowed to say anything? Are we going to see you at Slammiversary per se or anything? <laughs> Well, I'm not going to say, hey, what, make sure you tune in on July 18 because COVID and, and this whole border thing really isn't doing me like, That's true uh, too, right? yeah, it's not, it's not really helping out, especially with American COVID numbers going up, coming back would be pretty tough, but, uh, yeah, never say never. Hey, that's true. So what have you been doing during COVID then? Let's talk about this since there is really no independent wrestling right now in Canada, really. So what, what's been keeping you busy? What have you been doing with your time off? Yeah. So with, yeah, with being in, being in like full quarantine and lockdown, like definitely can't wrestle anyone. So I've been, uh, personally, like I took the first month of really just like breaking down and studying and trying to see the things that I can do better. Okay. Smart. So I was watching like a lot of my own matches. I was also then like studying different tapes of a lot of guys that I look up to or who I think are really good. Of course. And then, yeah. And then I was, uh, looking at like, okay, what gear should I change my gear? Should I change my look? Should I like, should I get new this, new that? Like took, like took my appearance and decided like, okay, what can we do with this? And just really like, I was really trying to fine tune and hone in on like, okay, what about like, Maybe we need a couple new moves in the repertoire, you know, like just really breaking down everything segment by segment. Mm-hmm. And then, and then in terms of projects, I've had, um, I've had a couple different, uh, companies here in Ontario reach out to do, uh, different like creative segments where oh, I'm nice. doing different like commentary for my own matches, cutting different promos sure. and, and then also just doing, um, small little projects of like, just like small videos and stuff like that. But basically it's like, if I can, anything that I can do from home, um, I've been, just been trying to keep as busy as I can with that. What about leisure? Oh, and, and then podcasts and stuff like that too. Oh, perfect. Well, I was just going to say, what about leisure wise? You into video games, movies, you watching anything on Netflix or s- stuff like that? I'm right now, uh, the girlfriend and I are running through, uh, California and oh, we wow. watched like, 
Yeah, we, I had never watched Californication, and okay. I'm actually like just before this, we just finished like season five, episode four. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, I really like like the show Billions. Okay, I fell off of that for a bit. Uh, like after the second season, I was like, I'm out. I don't know why. So I don't know if it got better or not. But I thought the beginning of season three just threw me way off. I was just gonna say, like my girlfriend always says, like season three sucks, but it does get better. Oh, okay, okay. So maybe I should try it again because yeah, I was a huge fan of Californication as well, and I was like you, I was one of those who watched it late. It, it was after it was uh, the finale aired and everything, so I went back and watched it all. And yeah, it, it, it's a great show. Like I don't even know if there's a bad season to tell you the truth. What I, I like that's exactly how I feel too because right? like. The dialogue in it is so different because it just yes. seems like real conversations that are like happening all the time. Like it's like at one point there's like like there's three people talking at the same time and you don't see that in TV a lot. That's true. Does that make sense? No, it like, does. You're right. Like, like layers of overlapping. Like there's an argument. Like it's one person talking and then the next person talks normally. Where here, like they're all just yelling, and you can hear what each person's saying, even though there's like there's a predominant audio of the main person, and it's neat. No, it is, and and so again, it's one of those TV shows. Maybe because I binge watched it too. I don't know if you feel this way when you binge watch stuff. I don't. I can't really distinguish seasons. It's all lumped into one big mess. Like you know what I mean. So maybe that's why it feels like it's so good to me as well. Because Breaking Bad was another one for me that I, I, me and the wife just binge watched it after the the season finale aired because everyone was talking about it and we're like, oh my god, now we have to go and watch this. Luckily, it didn't get ruined or anything before we watched it. So then, yeah, I think we watched it. Cause um, I don't know if because you're you're from you're close uh, to Woodstock I believe or Toronto area around there. Yeah, uh, London. Yeah. Okay, so London. So you you would probably remember this. You remember when we had that uh, in southern Ontario that huge ice storm during the Christmas time when it knocked out off all the power for like a, a few days or even a week. Yes. Okay. So it was during that, and unfortunately, I was affected. I was literally one of the last ones to get their power back in the city of Toronto. So me and the wife had no power for almost, I think, seven or eight days, right? So we had to move wow. to a hotel because we couldn't handle, like, fuck, not having heat or anything, right? So we moved to a hotel, and that's all we did that whole week was watch fucking Breaking Bad. That's, that's my memory of Breaking Bad is from the ice storm we had back in the day. That's that's awesome. I was late coming to the party with Breaking Bad too because I didn't okay. watch any TV shows till like two and a half years ago. Oh wow! <laughs> and it's and I did the same thing. Like I just binged it. I swear I watched it in like three weeks. Yeah, it's again. It's one of those shows that I don't know that there's one bad season. You just continually watch everything and then just go for the ride, right? Yeah. So I was like asking these weird questions to wrestlers every once in a while. I've, I've been really asking what's the weirdest thing that happened to you in a match, but I'm sure listeners are sick of me asking that. So how about this? Where's the weirdest place you've ever wrestled in? <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, I wrestled in a brewery in Toronto. What? Against, yeah. So it was a, it was a private party. Okay. Uh, imagine like Expedia.ca type of company. Sure. So they were doing their um, their annual like company party and their company party was dress up as your favorite wrestler shut up and it was an open bar which and so there's an open bar it's in the warehouse of a brewery sure i wish i could remember the name of it it's in toronto and there was two matches there was highlander uh robbie McAllister against the honky tonk man oh wow even better (laughs) And, and and then the main event was uh tricked out tyler turva Mm -hmm. against 
the um, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Oh my and goodness! Brutus Beefcake showed up in uh, white running shoes, blue jeans, and an Under Armour shirt because his bag didn't get through customs. Oh no! <laughs> but we were they still we were still the main event, and eventually uh, I got put. Eventually, I got put in the sleeper because he. He pulled a quick one on me and then <laughs> cut the tail off of my full hawk. <laughs> oh, there you go. So you, you went the full gimmick with him then the whole way, eh? Oh, yeah. And then as I wake <laughs> up, I look left and right and I sure. see like a Yokozuna. I see The Undertaker. Oh, my God. I see Paul Bear. I see Ted DiBiase. <laughs> this sounds awesome. I never knew companies did this, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, bro. It was like, it was hilarious. Like, so many shitty mustaches that were like like fake or stick on. It was great. Sure. How many mullets were in the crowd too? Because back in the day as well, right? The, oh old, the old wrestlers. <laughs> Absolutely. There was a, and there was like six macho mans. Of course. That's a staple. Well, but like what's sweet is you have like you end up you see WCW Madness Macho, then you see like, oh my God. like even Macho in trunks, macho in right. pants, like it's sweet. <laughs> oh my god that's awesome i think that's the best answer i've gotten so far from a wrestler <laughs> okay now another question what pre- what style do you prefer to wrestle against or is there a style that complements you better like you know what i mean do you like to wrestle against the high flyers or grapplers like what's your what's your like niche so to speak or do you even care i to me it doesn't it doesn't matter because i think my style can work with anything that's what i like to hear and that's also what I've always wanted to be. I don't want to. I don't want to wrestle in a box. I want to be as moldable as I can to be able to adapt to whoever I'm in there with. You know what? I had I asked the same question when I had Sam Adonis on, and he said the exact same thing, pretty much. Like it's it, you shouldn't like. And the one thing he also mentioned was that you, sh- as promoters, you shouldn't look for a guy to come in and do your style. You want to bring in a guy who has his style because that's the whole point of wrestling. Because if everyone's the same, then what's the point of even going to a show, right? 100% and, and oftentimes you'll see um, especially right now like you'll see a, you'll see like four or five of the same guy on a show and right. it just doesn't make sense yeah no it really doesn't so I assume you're you play heel because obviously if you're from your girlfriend's dreams that's like the most douchiest intro that you could think of to be a heel if probably I've, I, I, that I could think of at least no <laughs> I I'm just me like there's no like baby face heel like I there's times where I'm getting cheered the whole night, and then oh, there's really? times where that's not the case. Yeah, you'd be, you'd actually be shocked. Like, oftentimes, like, the, yeah, the young, fit, stupid, pretty ends up being the thing that they're getting behind. Yeah, that's so weird because I could see like, if by you saying like coming out being the Saturday Night Delight and being from your girlfriend's dreams and all that stuff, I could see like back in the like when we were talking about this like Saturday Night Main Event and stuff you being like heelish but in today's day and age or like during the attitude era you would be a face you know what i mean but now again with this so-called uh again i don't i don't know how to be politically correct so in this in this fucking pussyfoot society that we live in now like you know what i mean it's as if 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 you push the borders a bit no matter what you're gonna be a heel so what if i was in the crowd and i was looking around and you got introduced i'd be like oh this guy's a dick like you know what i mean (laughs) Yeah, but I I can either project that towards the crowd or I can be a dick to my opponent. Oh, I see, because it's all in what you portray to them after, right? Because they could think whatever they want, but if you come out and you're like blowing kisses and shit, then how can you be a heel, right? But I can still blow kisses, but if I blow those kisses at my opponent, it's going to be different than if I blow kisses to the fans. 
Oh, I see. So I guess safe to say you're what they call a tweener? No, because a tweener doesn't know what the fuck they are. Where like, <laughs> oh, you, okay, gotcha. It just depends. It depends on where I am and how I'm feeling that night. So like, I can easily like walk really slowly to the ring, look to a girl in the front row, wink at her, blow her a kiss, and then her boyfriend wants to beat me up. But then mm. she's also going to cheer for me because she wants to see me like do well. True, that makes sense. The other side where a kid might go, wow, that guy's cool. Like, it's like, because there's a lot of nerds in wrestling now. And so, but like, people are going to view you, they're going to choose to view you one of two ways. So like the nerd might want to be you, Mm. or it's the other way, the nerd might not like you because you remind him of someone that, that gave him a bad experience in his life. So it's all like, it's all tons of variables. So in your opinion, do you find that it's harder nowadays to be an, a so-called true heel? Nah, being a heel is way easier. You think so? Because you, again, or is it because everyone wants their merchandise to sell, so everyone's scared to say something bad to put like a, a group of people in a corner so they, they don't buy their shit? Is that what it mostly is probably then? I think so, but I think it's also because um, people don't know how to be a professional while being a heel. Oh, that's a good so one. I- I think that it's distinctive to the people, be, like or to the performer, because there's a lot of people hmm. that just aren't—they're just not a good person, regardless of if they're a good guy or a bad guy or whatever you want to call them. Like, right. regard, like, but when you see, like, if you've been booing me for thirty minutes in the main event and I lost to, excuse me, I lost for the belt in the middle of the ring. Mm-hmm. When I step behind that merchandise table. I'm still going to have people that are going to come up to me, shake my hand and say, Hey, you were awesome tonight. Great job. And and it's because of the presence that I'm making, like the presence and the interaction that I'm giving them. I'm always presenting something that's 100% professional from the time I walk into the door to the time I leave, win, lose or draw, whether you like me or not. No, that makes sense. So where do you think they draw the line? Because obviously with now, even now people are so much on edge nowadays, like, uh, I don't know if you saw what uh, one of the Forgotten Sons tweeted during all the Black Lives Matter and all that stuff. And it was obviously that was out of touch. You shouldn't have done that. But where do you draw the line? Like, like how you said, if someone's an asshole, you're going to see they're an asshole, right? Or or is there a line? Or should there be a line when it comes to wrestling? Uh, I think the, the line's blurred. Like, some people, like, he doesn't have to say, if that's what he's really thinking, he doesn't ever have to say that. He chose to say that. So right. that's him just showing who he is in my opinion mm. no that, now, that makes sense that's this is just my like i don't know of course i don't know the guy from the forgotten sons no. but if that's what if that's what you're putting out then that's what you're showing that you represent you know what it sort of makes sense because again you have other heels who didn't say shit like you know what i mean it's like you, you don't have to turn face and then you know, do other stuff, but at the same time, just keep quiet because you are still a so-called artist and you're trying to stay in gimmick, so to speak. So, again, yeah, it's true. I guess, yeah, you're right. The The line is blurred sometimes and the assholes come out. The it works. Absolutely. And, like, with a fan, I could be... The match could not even start yet. I could roll out of the ring. I could, I could walk in front of a fan and say something very personable and very rude to their face. Right. And, and like, and it's very simple to just be a jerk and say something rude to someone oh, to course. make them hate you, right? Yeah, that's the easiest form. Like, you just make some something about their appearance, and boom, there you go. You got it. But I could, but I can also get them to be just as mad at me if I slide out 
wink at them and flex my chest. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But which one, but which one at the end of the day makes you still like me and which one makes someone go, wow, that guy's just not a good person. Right. Right. It's true. It's true. And I think like that's, and that's like, that's just life now though. Like you can, like we make as a performer, Mm. you actually make that choice. And, And you know what? There's times where like, like in the past, I'm sure I've, I've said something like a bit too personal to someone, whether I was like, Oh, like you just went like, whether I called, say I called someone chubby because they would have first said something to me. Well, if they make, if they first make a remark to me and then I bark back, that's different. But if I go and attack them and make that first bark of like, Hey, Mm. like you're chubby or whatever, I'm now actually attacking them because they haven't even said anything to me to warrant that. It's true. It's so true. Yeah, no, and that's what a lot of the fans don't understand either. It's like people think because you pay a ticket that, again, it goes both ways. They think if they pay a ticket that they're allowed to say or do whatever they want to the performers, and then the performers have no right to say anything back. Like, you know what I mean? And like you said, if someone does something to you, obviously just human instincts, you're going to fucking bark back. You know what I mean? But for someone to come down and initiate something with an audience member for no reason, then like you said, yeah, they're a fucking dick, right? You got it. And and, And at the end of the day, that's where a performer is mm. could have something come back to them that they did something distasteful because now like if if the performer decided to say something towards a fan without the fan first saying something they've mm. now created that attack right. and you've now given that the audience member the bad experience for a reason for them to go to a promoter and say hey I think that was crossing the line now what do you think of promotions putting in plants and then you could say whatever the fuck you want to them literally because it doesn't matter because they know you're all in character i think it i think it creates a fake non-organic feel Mm. that ends up not being as good as something that's going to naturally happen oh okay because i was thinking more of the lines of they could do whatever they want so they could get away with more so they could push the the border like you know what i mean they could push the line so to speak right yeah but i think it i think it's better when I, th- I think it's better when there's not that plant because that plant is now might laugh in your face after you say something or oh. they're going to react the way they want rather than the way they would naturally react if That's you right. actually said that to them. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from because it's true. And especially, and again, most of these plants aren't good actors to begin with. So you know what I mean? They're, they're going to screw up somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely. And like, and if I bark at someone and then they're, la- they're standing up or laughing in my face, like... Right. That's not going to, like, that's actually just going to make me legitimately mad. Like, that's not going to get, like, I'm not going to get what I want out of it. Because if someone chirps at me, right. I've got at least 10, 15 different things that are naturally going to come out of my mouth. Sure. But, but if, like, but if it's a plant just saying something, then I just know they're just saying what they're told to. So I, I actually won't engage in that. So what's the worst thing a, a, a fan has ever done to you then? Have you ever gotten anything thrown on you or anything like that? Um, I got like, I didn't get like spit in my face, but I like, I got spat at. Oh, that's rotten. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. That's like, so I actually, rather than like getting super aggressive, I actually Mm. went the other way. Like I walked up to them and I just told them, I was like, like you came to say, like, I just actually told them like really quietly. I was Mm. like, you paid to come here to see me. I was like, I'm actually just doing my job right now. And the disrespect that you just showed me is 100% the reason why I don't want to wrestle for oh, people wow. like you. Wow. It's true, though. Because 
But I was like, because I'm not going to let them win. Like, it's okay that they chose to be that way. Right. But me addressing it that way, they're just going to, like, they they were so apologetic after the show and, like, tucked their tail between their legs because they realized that they got too caught up in everything. Exactly. Because I'm sort of with that mentality, too. It's like, I believe that everyone should have the right to say or do whatever the fuck they want. But as soon as you cross that line, you got to know for every action, there's a reaction and there's consequence, right? You got it. Because or else, yeah, because then we're all just stupid puppets and then all the stupid people are just going to rule over everyone and do whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think uh, too many times, I think um, something, even if when you watch wrestling on TV, right. like there's different shows where like the fans are trying to take over and trying right. to dictate how this show is going to go. And I like, don't get me wrong, like I, I'm not trying to take away from the fans by this statement, mm-hmm. but I do think like it's up to the wrestler and the performer to keep the creative control and stay in control of what's going on or be better at adapting. See, because again, now that's a little blurry line too, because you want the stories of say like the Kofi Kingston's and the Daniel Bryan's because of the fans. That's why they won the world title. Cause if it wasn't for them, they probably wouldn't have had a shot in hell. Like, you know what I mean? But at the same time, you don't want them, like you said, to sort of hijack the shows with their chants or booing the so-called good guys and cheering for the bad guys, you know what I mean? Just ruining all the storylines and stuff like that. So it, 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 I guess, again, you know what it comes down to? Again, it's common sense, which nobody has, and there's too much stupidity, and it's those fans that ruin it for everyone, right? For sure, because they're just trying to change things. But I also always want fans to be as honest as they can, because if they're seen, if if they have a guy out there that they are sick of seeing that they don't want to get behind, right. I want that to change. Like I want to see the Kofi Kingston's and the Daniel Bryan's happen because that's all organic because they're saying, this is our guy. Right. And well, how do you think about like the Roman Reigns situation or even John Cena to extent where they were always booing them. And obviously WWE knew what they had in those guys. So they weren't going to fucking do anything, whatever the fans were doing. But like, that's what I'm talking about, the, the stupidness. It's like, do you not understand that, again, it's all storyline, it's whatever. I understand the WWE's pushing someone you don't want. But again, who cares? It, who are you to, like, you don't go into a restaurant and tell them how to cook their steak. You go there and you eat their steak, right? Right. Yeah, and I think those are two of the few guys that get to blur the line because they got themselves to a level where they were already the top guy. Right. And and some people are just never going to cheer that top guy in today's society because when they see that guy, it reminds them of someone they don't like in their life. You know what? Yeah, that completely makes sense. Because you know what? I think like if the babyface Hulk Hogan was to come out today, who the fuck would like him? You know what I mean? The 80s Hulk Hogan, red and yellow, no one would like him. <laughs> I know, especially with that tan and, like, he's got no hair on the top of his head. Like, that would not work today. <laughs> right? Exactly. And, but then and again... It, and it wouldn't work for that for that amount of time, which is true. a crazy thing to me. Like, John Cena was on top and was the guy for over a decade. Oh, yeah. I had this conversation with uh, Von Vertigo, too, on the show when we we sort of tried to go through our Mount Rushmores. And I said, no one really mentions John Cena under Mount Rushmore. And it's like, why not? This guy literally carried a company for a good 10 years. You know what I mean? Yep. And I think there's a few guys, though. Like, I think a lot of people might not put like there's a lot of those top guys, though, that might not be in some people's Mount Rushmore's, but they like if you then go into a top 10, top 15, they're always there. Yeah, that's fair. Because I guess picking four guys is really tough. Because again, wrestling is subjective too, right? Like other than maybe Hogan and Flair, then the other two is literally anyone you could think of, right? 
Right. And then, and in that too, like if now, if you were to go, who's your Mount Rushmore of the era that those guys wrestled, um, they're always in the top four. True. That's true too. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That's why, well, I guess it's a good conversation for everyone to have. Right. And that's why it keeps happening over and over. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Everyone wants to, wants to talk about the Mount Rushmore's of who's your Mount Rushmore of drop kicks. And who's your Mount Rushmore of, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, backslide pins like <laughs> that's crazy no I, i've never heard it go to that extent wow <laughs> no i just i just exaggerated now but absolutely <laughs> oh so speaking of what's on tv what are you watching in today's product what do you enjoy the most that's on tv right now randy orton oh uh, uh dolph ziggler okay uh drew mcintyre if it's like anything wwe i'll watch those three right and then um I I was watching a lot of I was watching a bit of AEW. Okay. I find like it's it, I do find I, I don't want to make it as an excuse, but I do find it tough to do like to watch some of uh, some of the wrestling like without a crowd. It's really mm. tough. Okay. But I do like it now that they have like the like just some of the wrestlers in the audience and stuff like that. But, yeah, that helps. Um, and then I do really like. Um, Charlotte Flair matches too. I know she's not on TV right now, but mm-hmm. I always watch Charlotte Flair matches. Oh wow, well, yeah, I'm pretty much the same. I watch the the big three, obviously NXT, SmackDown, Raw, and then just AEW, and then everything else. Like I said, I just tune in when I see a clip online of something, right? Because again, we're spoiled. Because me growing up in the '80s and even in the '90s as a teenager, I had Saturday night challenge or whatever it was called or superstars and every once in a while Saturday night's main event and that's it a pay-per-view every four months and there you go there's your wrestling right especially being from Toronto because it's not like we got the NWA or the territorial stuff right so unless you're a tape trader obviously but other than that it was strictly that's it so now to have all this influx it's like holy shit again I know in a perfect world this is awesome but there's just so much stimulus nowadays and it's hard and again it's good for the business but at the same time it's hard to get eyes on everything right yeah, and just to stay consistent with it, like because I thing. I do love watching AEW. Like I I try to tune into at least like one or two matches a week, right. and then I do make sure that I keep up with uh, with Impact. I actually watch that off of Twitch like quite a bit. Oh, okay. So so I do like I I try to at least um, at least see yeah anywhere from like one to two matches, and then I like seeing all the all the different backstage segments. So I'll have it I'll have it on my phone. Well, even if I'm watching something else at the same time, so. Oh, got you. True. Yeah, like even uh, even ROH was a big one I used to watch too before AEW was around and everything. It's just like slowly but surely, first it was Impact and it was ROH. They just start, stopped dropping because it's, it's just too many hours, man. Like how am I supposed to live a life if all I'm watching? Like if, if you think about it, if you were to sit there and not fast forward anything and watch every single wrestling program that's available right now, I don't even think you'd have time to sleep, would you? No, you just be writing an article once or, or doing your podcast and then watching wrestling like that would literally be it. And then if you work a full time job, you're doing that. And that's what I actually find hard about getting into. Um, like, I hate that Raw is three hours. Yeah, of course. Me too. Like, like because you, you got to just pick which hour you're not watching. That's true. So if I'm tuning in for the start, well, I'm like, okay, so I'm going to watch a lot of promos or I tune mm-hmm. in in the back end. Okay. So I'm going to have a match in the back end, but like, right. I just, I just find it to be too formulaic, um, yeah. for me. And I just like, I would, I wish, I wish something would change a little more, which is easier said than done because yes. wrestling has been around for so long. But I think like 
yeah, like I think each company has all the different things that they're doing. Like they're mm-hmm. like with they're having more of a focus on women in some promotions and like more tag wrestling and like an AEW mm-hmm. like and and then it seems like there's a lot of stables in WWE right now. But like it's like everyone's trying to gain their footing, but yep. they're like I don't know. You know what? I I never thought of that because back in the day, everyone tried to emulate WWF or WWE, right? And now it's true. It's you see all these. I guess maybe. Someone finally went, aha, there's other niches in the market as well. We don't have to be WWE light, as they say, right? So I think that's really helped that everyone literally, like even NWA, there's another one. There's like that little niche audience that if you're into pure old school wrestling and speaking of territories, you're watching NWA every week, right? Right. Right. And if you're wanting a more heavy wrestling product, you're probably, you might watch an AEW that. Exactly. And then if you want, if you want the mix of, or sorry, if you want like more talking and more storyline based, you're going to be in WWE. And if you want the mix of both, you're going to it's going to be more impact. Yeah, it's true. And don't and then don't even get started with the Japan promotions and the Mexican promotions, right? That that's a whole different ballgame. So yeah, and then you also still have NXT and you still have 205 Live and oh, shit, yeah, there's just nice. like you said, there's so much content all the time. <laughs> but hey, it also means just more people working right. and people being creative on a weekly basis. No, that's awesome. So, in your opinion, what's your biggest and greatest achievement to this day in wrestling? Oh, my God. I don't think I've ever been asked that. <laughs> um, my biggest and greatest achievement, um, I guess for me, it would be uh, being runner-up in in the uh, in the Impact Gut Check. Okay. That happened just before the pandemic. So. That's fair. And again, I know we touched br- briefly on it. So, how was the whole experience there? How, were, how was working with Scott Demore and all those guys behind the scenes and, and, and everything with Impact? Because uh, I hear, uh, I, again, I've had Impact stars on fr- before too, and everyone says the exact same thing. It's like a huge family. Everyone helps out each other. It's not like the olden days where everyone's trying to fuck each other over. It's just one big happy family. Yeah, man. Like it's uh, it's such a different atmosphere than if you go with like di- like a few different companies. Like it's definitely like like with so with. Like with Scott Demore, for example, like right. that guy is just gonna teach you and teach you and teach you, and you're literally like always learning. Anytime you can, you can listen to anything that he has to say. There's always a nugget of information to take from from anything that he's gonna say. So I found like through the process of gut check, like I was really able to change and adapt some little things, and mm. and yeah, like I've been now those things that I learned now, I'm just like with being off with the pandemic, like it totally just makes me be able to sit in some of those things that happen and be able to know, okay, so now this is what I'm going to do next. And, and being there, like, yeah, everyone, like a, a lot of guys there. Cause I, like, I know quite a few of the guys just because a lot of them are, are from, from around the area or, right. or were once in area. Cause yes. you got El, like, like you had Michael Elgin before mm-hmm. everything that happened. You have Rosemary, Cody Diener, you have, Yep. Josh Alexander, Ethan Page, like yeah, everyone's super welcoming, and same with even a lot of the the guys from uh, Ohio area too. So right, yeah, I know, I, I found that. Well, again, obviously having ties with Canada, being owned by a Canadian company, you would expect that at least they would put out a lot of Canadian content, right? Absolutely, yeah. Because and and one thing, sorry to, to add is no, like because I ended up having a couple matches on Explosion like oh. prior to all the gut check. Nice. Uh, uh, filming and like, yeah. and I had like for one of my matches, I had Paul London as the agent. For another match, um, I ended up being able to ask Gail Kim for some feedback on what she thought on everything because she's the one that does all all the knockouts. And like, okay. just being able to hear like 
like I've never been able to rub elbows with either of those two and just be like hearing their feedback of like, Hey, this is what you do. Well, this is what could be better that like do this and this and this, like it just like, yeah, you're just constantly learning and growing. So everyone in that environment, like right now, like impact is set up to just like, I believe take the next step and be being able to grow as a company. Well, I'm not just saying this because I've had Impact's uh, talent on before, but I will be tuning into Slammiversary for sure because it seems like they have something. Because I'm a huge guy, again, being from the Attitude Era, the surprise factor. I want to see who the hell got let go that's going to show up, who's not going to show up, what the new storylines are with all this pandemic shit and obviously with releasing people and people dropping belts and whatnot. It almost feels like it's a fresh start of some sort for Impact, even though they didn't need one. But I heard someone else say it on another podcast. I can't remember where, but it seems like Impact's the one company during all this pandemic stuff that's just exploding and just getting bigger and bigger. Absolutely. And I agree. Like everything that they have leading up to Slammiversary has been awesome. And just like you said, like there's been so many different changes that you're almost like cleaning like a good portion of the slate for everything to know like, okay, what's going to be next and who the hell's going to show up in that main event. All right. So what's the end goal? What's life after wrestling for you look like? Life after wrestling. I don't know when that end date's going to (laughs) be. It'll all be based on feel. Um, I know between now and then, it's really important for me to just keep wrestling as long as I feel like I can and that I'm putting out what I want to be putting out. So yeah, there's no expiry date on me. (laughs) I think, I think it's anywhere from like eight to 10 years that I still have left. Um, yeah, I definitely have, have the goals of, of wanting to get signed by a major company before I'm done all this. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't happen though, um, I've actually like come to peace that, it's okay because there's a lot of like, I do believe that there's a lot of guys that are really good. And sometimes it is just wrong time, wrong place and things. Yeah. Sometimes it's just like stars aren't supposed to align and that's not supposed to be in the cards for you because who you become in pursuit of the dream is really what matters in the long run. Cause it doesn't change who I am as a person, whether I wrestle on TV or not, cause I'm still going to be a professional through and through in anything that I do after my life in wrestling. So do you want to stay within wrestling, though? Do you want to be, like, a so-called agent? Do you want to be a trainer after you, you hang up the boots? Um, I don't know. I I haven't, to be honest, like, I haven't thought and explored that way because I think, okay. um, I, I think I just have so many years left that I don't need to be there yet. I don't think I'll be a promoter. Okay. That's for sure. <laughs> I've promoted a few shows before, and that's, oh. just not, that's just not in what I want to do, but... Right. I do see myself being involved in wrestling in some capacity because I did go to college at one point uh, wanting to be a play-by-play announcer. And I mean, oh. even like when I've been injured in the past, I, I was ring announcing uh, for shows. And right. to be honest, I really love just like talking and getting people riled, like, like fired up. So like I could see myself like ring announcing or hosting and being able to give back in some way. But I don't know if I'll ever have a wrestling school because if you have, I don't know if, if you haven't to me, if I haven't done something to a top level, why would I try to be preaching things that what you're saying. where you're having to convince someone if you are good or not? Like, I just don't think there's, there's that in it for me, right. especially when there's already so many great trainers. Hey, that makes sense. That completely makes sense. Okay. So before we get to the dumbass of the week, I did a little word association with uh speedball the, uh, the other week when he was on with um, people he wrestled against, but with you, 
I noticed a little common thread we have. You've wrestled a lot of my former guests. So I'm going to throw you out some wrestlers and you just say whatever comes to mind when I say this wrestler. Cool? Cool. All right. Psycho Mike Rollins. <laughs> uh, I'll never forget. Uh, okay. uh, sorry, one word. I guess it's one word association. Whatever you want to say. Uh, I don't put limits uh, on people, man. Hints would be sex on the beach. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> now I got to ask, well, what is this all we about? Got, we got drunk on sex on the beach. Okay. Uh, drinks at a bar way, way back in like 2009. <laughs> Sebastian Suave. Sebastian Suave, uh, he'll, for him, he'll always be remembered as like, the he's always the aristocrat with the long mullet that he had back in 2008. <laughs> RJ City. He's the, to me. He's the midnight special RJ City uh, from 2009 as well. He might be one of the single most unique guys I've met in wrestling that right. has a very different perspective, which is why he's from 1970. <laughs> and I totally agree. Crazy Steve. Crazy Steve. Uh, Crazy Steve's one of my good buddies. So I would say one of my good brothers. Beautiful. Cody Diener. Cody Diener is the most talented professional wrestler in Canada. Oh, wow. And lastly... Because he's he's the most creative. Gotcha. I see where you're coming from. And lastly, Tyson Dukes. Tyson Dukes... Might have just surpassed Cody Diener as my, as my favorite opponent. Oh wow! He's because we last year we had uh, we had four matches. Okay, and they were awesome. And I to me Tyson and Cody are both the best in Canada. Oh, and wow. they're both the best in Canada from two different perspectives. Tyson Dukes is one of the best technical wrestlers in the world, but definitely the best technical wrestler in Canada. And Cody Diener is the guy that can get the crowd the most fired up mm. that I've ever, it's not just ever heard, but I've ever felt because I've wrestled that guy so many times yeah. and I've just, and like the way he can draw fans in, mm. he's the Hulk Hogan of Canada and Tyson Dukes is the Ric Flair of Canada. You know what? That totally makes sense. I so see that. You're right. <laughs> yeah. All right. You ready and for the like, I can't pick one over the other, so I'm just going to stay indifferent and just say, hey, they're awesome, and I can't wait till it's going to be Turbidiner or Turbidukes. Beautiful. All right, ready for the dumbass? Yeah. Okay, well, everyone knows we're obviously in a pandemic. The COVID's going on. Everyone's got to wear masks when they go outside now, pretty much. Well, not outside, sorry. They should be wearing masks outside, but... In most places now, well, at least within North America, it's mandatory to wear a mask indoors in a public setting, right? So, in the state of Connecticut... Okay, well, first off, I'm sure, I hope, that you're one of these guys who believes in wearing a mask. Or do you... Yes, are you okay, I was going to say, are you one of these conspiracy theorists that think that it, it's all a hoax? No, I wore a mask today when I went to the grocery store, and I wore a mask any other time that I've gone, gone out. Okay, yeah, I'm pretty much the same way. The only time I don't really wear a mask is either when I'm in my car or in my house or sitting outside on my property or whatever. That's different, obviously. Okay, so 
How about this? Have you ever gotten pissed off to the point, because everyone gets pissed off when they do drive-thru or when they go to fast food, whatever, to the point where you want to physically harm or cause harm to the building that they're in? (laughs) No, never. Okay, so you, you don't get that rage. All right. And now, my final question before I get to the story. What do you think is the most unique way to wear a mask? Or, like, what type of fabric or whatever to use as a mask? What what have you seen out there? Because there's some stories of people wearing crazy shit over their face. I wish I've seen someone in a fishnet mask, but I can't say that I have yet. <laughs> okay, well, this dumbass tops everything that I was just talking about. So, like I said, he's from Connecticut. He went to McDonald's during the crisis under pandemic and wanted to get served, but he didn't want to wear a mask. He refused to wear a mask. He's one of these guys who thinks it's stupid to wear a mask or it's against his right to not wear a mask, whatever. So obviously to McDonald's being, they said, no, get the fuck out of here. We're not serving you. They sent him away. So as he's leaving, he decides to pick up a rock and throw it through the window. That's how pissed off he was because he didn't get service. That's not where the story ends. So, He waited around for some reason, and then the cops were called, obviously. So when he heard the sirens, he decided to run across the street to the local Walmart. (laughs) Still without no mask, runs inside and proceeds to steal a bunch of women's panties. (laughs) Story's not done. (laughs) He runs outside. No, sorry. He was wearing one of the panties over his face, hence why I asked what's the most weirdest thing that you've seen someone wear. So to me, it's this guy putting a G-string across his face. (laughs) And then walking out as if no one had recognized that it was him who came running in and stole all these panties. And then he still didn't give up, decided to run away from the cops until finally they they stuck the dogs on him and the dogs caught him down and that's it, then he got arrested. I hope Walmart got their panties back. <laughs> Do you though? Honestly, if someone's doing something like that, I don't really want that shit. Can you imagine being the next person in line who buys those panties? Come on. <laughs> well, one thing is they're not, I don't know if they can have returns if the package has been open during this pandemic. So <laughs> That's true too. That's good. Well, I don't even think you could return underwear. I think that's one of those deals where you buy it. That's it. Non-refundable, right? Especially if the guy was licking his upper lip the whole time too. <laughs> But again, I understand people are sick and tired of being home and people are literally going crazy, but to go and like damage McDonald's and then to run across the street and put on fucking underwear on your face and thinking no one's going to wreck, like, what, like what's, got, what's wrong with society, man? What, what the hell's going on? I don't know, man. Especially like he'd still have the same shirt on. Right? <laughs> like... <laughs> People are ridiculous. Like, that's what I mean. It's like one of these... You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of... Because I have cats. When my cats do something bad, and then they run away, and then they hide, and you see their tail, and they think you you can't see them. Like, it's something like that. That's how idiotic they are. Right. (laughs) So I assume you've never done anything this stupid in your life, then? (laughs) No, not definitely not. And I would definitely never throw a rock at a drive-thru window. (laughs) Right? Oh, my God. I, I just don't understand people thinking or... I, I call it the God complex. Everyone thinks that they're above the law, that they could do whatever they want without consequence. And it just, it's, it's just so sad, man. I, I don't know. Absolutely. All right. So that's pretty much it. I hope you had a good time. Uh, I hope I didn't bore you too much today. No, that was fun, man. Well, now's your time. Plug your shit where people could find you, where people, if you had any merchandise anywhere, where people could support you. 
Yeah, so I have, uh, you can follow me on Facebook, on Instagram, or Twitter at Tyler Turba. I'm also going to be opening up a pro wrestling tea store soon, and all the money's actually going to be going uh, to charity. I really um, want to help uh, kids in my area whose parents can't afford to put them through sports, so all the money that's going to be uh, with these shirts that's going to be associated with pro wrestling tees, all that money's going to actually go to charity, so look out on all my different platforms as I post those links over the next month or two. No, that's awesome. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Finger Styles. Follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast DAP. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast DAP at gmail.com. Rewind to the top of the show. So support those fine sponsors because if it helps them out, it helps me out. And obviously, my merchandise store at Public and rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. One more question, my friend, before I let you go. Absolutely. If you could only wrestle one person for the rest of your life, Dead or alive, who would it be? Huh. Doesn't mean you have. It doesn't mean you've wrestled them before. Just someone that you could be like, oh, I could have a great wrestling match with this guy for the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, it'd probably be Hulk Hogan in his prime. Oh. I could. T- I could take that big boot and that leg drop every single night. <laughs> no. Okay, but what about the deadly back rake? <laughs> wow, I I do one too. So I also do the chest rake. So we'll see. <laughs> awesome on that note he's tyler i'm steve this is the podcast peace peace